0: Hello everyone, it's Lee the Appraiser for another exciting episode of Amazing Appraising being filmed live in our brand new New York City gallery on Broadway and 57th Street in New York City. How is everyone today? I'm tripping over my words. I'm so excited with this show we have this evening. You know, they say we have good news and bad news. Comes both, right? The good news is we have a great show lined up for you that you're really going to enjoy. A lot of interesting topics, a lot of interesting guests. That's the good news. The bad news, unfortunately, is we're going to be honoring one of our very dearest and closest and longtime friends, and colleagues Mr. Jackie Mason, considered by many one of the greatest stand-up comedy and comedians of all time. He was by far, in my opinion, one of the quickest, wittiest, intelligent, funniest comedians I've ever met. I, When I was a kid, I studied comedy to some degree. I dreamed of being a comedian. Who, want, who wouldn't want to tell their friends jokes, make fun of their teachers. I used to watch a show in the 1970s, it used to be, Can You Top This?, where you'd have a guest panel there, and you know they'd have a couple um, guests from the audience. They'd get up there, and they'd be panelists. You had to pick a comedian that you thought would come up with the funniest joke. There were like a panel of four comedians there. These were old-timers, brilliant, great comedians. See, the show would pick up the subject matter, and your job was to pick the comedian that you thought would tell the best joke on the spot, based on the subject that the host picked. And I remember there vaguely, I must have been, oh my God, five years old at that time. So they had Maury Amsterdam there, the woman also from the Dick Van Dyke show, Rosemary Clooney, I think was on the show, Red Buttons, Freddie Roman, a lot of these old timers, I believe were on the show. And your job to pick the comedian that you thought was the best joke that the audience would love. And I enjoyed that show. I love the old type comic. One thing they all had in common was, at least the ones I saw on TV, is their material was a perfectly clean, 100% clean to me. I think that's a major, major barrier to use as far as I think it's much easier. You hear these comedians, I don't want to mention names, but that's all they do. Every other word they say is a four-letter word, and the, uh, the audience laughs. To me that's not funny. It's sad that if you have to use vulgarity and profanity to make people laugh, to me that's not funny. What's funny is the ideas, the concepts, and it's much more challenging to make what you call good clean fun, good clean humor, jokes, comedy, routines, where you can take your children, your sons and your daughters, you don't have to be embarrassed, uh, just to give you the names, I think some of the funniest comedians over the last 30 years that had completely clean routines, well, Henny Youngman, of course, was older, but Jerry Seinfeld of this era, Ray Romano of this era, Jim Gaffigan, Brian Regan, these were these are some of the great comedians that go out of their way to have everything strictly clean and fun. Kudo to them that you are appreciated in my household, my family, and not only today, but as of even 30 years ago, also a great clean comedian. Um, So uh, anyhow, and Jackie was, what he did was his brilliance when he even talked about these issues of sex and everything like that, he wouldn't say anything that was vulgar or dirty. He would bring it to a certain point and just leave it at that and let your little imagination take it to the border take it to the other end. I remember one thing he was talking about the difference between Jews and Gentiles. You tell a Gentile woman, if she's dressed provocatively, he said, you know what? You look like a hooker. And they would be so, oh my God, they would be so uh, embarrassed, intimidated. How could you call me like that? Really terribly upset. But you tell that to a Jewish woman, you look like a hooker. She goes, oh, my God, thank you very much. Thanks for the compliment. I No one's ever (laughs) said that to me. You know, every, every thought he said was just really incredible and beautiful. And so we are actually going to be having a very special tribute on this show. And we are going to be talking, the last half of the show is going to be a tribute just to Jackie. Throughout this episode, we are going to have, uh, our guest is going to be a Mr. Abe Shainberg, who's going to be helping us and, and talking with us, speaking with us. But throughout this show, we're going to have sprinkling of Jackie's beautiful some of his routines of course you know five minutes here three minutes there can't do justice to his brilliance over the career of you know 65 years but uh, we're going to do our best and you're going to get a taste of uh, his brilliant mind and how he works we're going to go now and talk a little about some appraising before we do that we'll be right back with a short message from one of our sponsors
1: Did you know gold and silver prices are at an all-time high? If you have any gold, silver, or platinum coins, bullion, Franklin Mint items, diamonds, jewelry, art, antiques, paintings, French furniture, any Tiffany items, Sterling flatware, Judaica, Oriental rugs, older baseball cards, sport and entertainment memorabilia, watches, especially better watches such as Rolex, Patek, Philippe, Vacheron, Tiffany, IWC, Cartier, Breguet, Omega, Breitling, Bulgari, just to name a few. APR 57 Gallery will buy them all at the highest cash prices in any condition even broken. APR 57 Gallery also needs any designer jewelry such as Cartier, Tiffany, Buccellati, Von Cleef, Harry Winston, and Bulgari. Now is the time to cash out at the world-famous APR 57 Gallery on 57th Street in New York City across from Carnegie Hall. They'll also come to your home and do certified insurance appraisals. So if you have anything of value, call them for a free appraisal and high-cash offer at 212-246-2000, 212-246-2000, or toll-free 1-800-772-0054.
0: Welcome back, everyone. It's Lee the Appraiser for another segment of amazing appraising here at APR 57 in New York City. Hope everyone is well and doing good. And uh, this show is going to be dedicated to our great friend, great comedian, great person, Mr. Jackie Mason. We're going to be talking about him a little later. Uh, Right now, we're going to be talking about some appraising and what's been happening in the last week. We had somebody come in with a set of sterling silver flatware. So let's just talk about flatware. I don't think we've ever uh, talked about that. So sterling silver flatware. Flatware is, of course, a nickname for what people use to eat with. Okay, they eat with different types of serving pieces, utensils, forks and knives and spoons. So uh, years ago, it was very common that the wealthy people would have their sets of flatware when they ate made out of sterling silver. Today, it's very common to have it made in stainless steel. People don't, quote, entertain nearly as much as they used to, some Mm -hmm. people do. It's the same idea where you have people the way they dress. Rarely do you see somebody today, a a gentleman, a, a distinguished gentleman, dress to the T's, the way they used to do that. So years ago, in fact, if you looked at a picture, this just shows the, I'm going to say, the real, I'm going to say, downfall of society can be seen in the way people dress, okay? If you look at a photograph of people attending a baseball game, say the New York Yankee baseball game, from the 1930s or 40s, even 50s, what you're going to see is every person or 95% of the men in the in the stands not only wearing a suit and a jacket and a tie but wearing a hat they looked like they were going to church or religious services or a wedding and that's how they dressed when they went out to a baseball game today people dress to go to a game they don't even wear shirts today Forget about jackets and ties. They don't wear shirts. They get up there and they spell devils. D, E. One guy has a D. One guy has an E. One guy has an R. He doesn't even know how to spell a devil. They don't even know spelling. That's insane, right? I mean, really, face paint? I mean, it, it is crazy. And I think that just shows our whole disrespect in general from society to society. I mean, everything that people did years ago was done with style, class, grace, and respect for themselves, for the public, for their friends. I mean, can you imagine people dressed up with a suit and tie and a hat going to a baseball game today? That's insane. It really is. And I think that that's just showing the lower morals that we have today as a society in general, you know. This is crazy. And I think that that's something that everybody should think about a little while as what's happening here in the world today. And uh, a lack of human respect, decency, consideration for you, your fellow man, and everything. I mean, when they went to the movies, they would dress nicely. Mm-hmm. Everybody. And today, it is a joke how people go out of their house. half the people couldn't care less how they look, how they dress and that's just, a you know I think they don't have respect even for themselves so that is something so anyhow, getting back on topic so people used to not only dress more appropriately they used to, when they had guests they used to serve and have company more appropriately, so they would want to have a very, very nice set of dishes a very, very nice set of utensils for all their guests and that would be called uh, really what would be called a serving piece or flatware. So the way these things were figured or the way they're figured today and collected is you would have a certain set that would contain a certain amount of pieces. We had a set recently of George Jensen, which is one of the finest Danish makers of sterling silver flatware in the world. They're still around today, I believe, and they made some of the more beautiful, simple, classic, what you would think like Tiffany-style designs, really elegant and beautiful. And we had the fortune that uh, <laughs> we had the fortune of handling one of their sets, and each set contained about 16 different pieces. Not, you know, you think of a, a fork, a knife, and a spoon. Not for these people. This set was made probably in the 1930s or 40s. And each set, each serving set, you sat down to a table, and they had four different forks, three different knives, five different spoons, and a couple other th- various things for various other, <laughs> you know, uh, different things that were being served. So the fork, you had a, uh, you had a salad fork, a meat fork, a fish fork, a dessert fork, the spoons, you had a soup spoon, a dessert spoon, a a summer spoon, a winter spoon, okay? A, a knife for cutting fish and meat and steak. It was anything you can imagine. And that's how they served it and they entertained and they these 15 or 16 pieces on each setting, obviously you're not gonna wanna have four people. You're not going to the trouble of cooking and serving just four people. So they wanted to have a setting of like I don't know, it must have been 18 to 20 different people. So you had 20 serving sets containing of 16 pieces in each set. So 20 times 16, I think that comes to 320 pieces. And then you had a group of serving pieces. That means you would have a platter perhaps You'd have a tea set. You'd have uh, pieces to serve the salad. That actually served the salad. The big fork and spoon, a big knife and uh, fork to cut the turkey, perhaps, and all these other various serving pieces. So before you were done, you had maybe 400 different pieces made out from the greatest, one of the great beautiful serving uh, silversmiths ever, uh, George Jensen from Denmark, beautiful simple pattern. I think this pattern was called the scroll pattern, and this set today would have retailed over $120,000, and uh, we sold it, of course, we bought it and sold it, uh, obviously, well below the retail price as we discount this stuff, but, you know, not too many people uh, would buy that today, but I just recently, they sold a set, I uh uh, privately for upwards of uh, close to half a million dollars a set of serving pieces from the 1940s. Not serving pieces, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, yes, yeah, serving trays, sugar, cream, milk, and the, all those things. Anyhow, so if you have any serving pieces, we would like to help you sell them, appraise them, or we'll buy them so you can call or text us anytime you wish at our uh, number, uh, 212-246-2000. you have any questions about uh, we are one of the largest buyers of collectible silver pieces any type of silver pieces whatsoever first thing is you want to determine what it's actually made out of and if in fact it's made out of sterling silver that's the first key 95 percent of the silver sets were offered that we are offered are made out of stainless steel or silver plate so look at the items carefully it's pretty simple Things that are made of sterling silver are marked either sterling, which denotes that they're sterling silver, marked with a number typically, which would be either 925, 900. If it's European or German silver, it might say the number 800. So those would really classify 95% of the items. And sometimes you'll have additional marks that might show what country it's from, perhaps when it was made, the manufacturer, the origin of the silver. So it could be Tiffany's, it could be Gorham, it could be International Silver, it could be uh, Buccellati, all these other names, but a lot of them are just silver plate or stainless steel. So if you have any need to have us help you figure that out. please bring them into our gallery. We are offering free appraisals to all our clients. so bring the things in. we'll be happy to look at them, test them and evaluate them for you and to uh, hopefully evaluate them for a lot of money, offer you a lot of money and most importantly, pay you a lot of money. okay? What was that uh, movie with Jerry McGuire? Show me the money. Okay, so that's going to be our slogan, Miss Blue. Show us your valuables. We'll show you the money. Show us your whatever. Well, not whatever. But show us the things you collect, the, the leftovers, your inheritance, your collectibles, and we will show you the money. Okay? So we talked about silver. So oh, in Judaica, we love Judaica. We love antique. Judaica actually refers to... We're gonna say they refer to items that are typically made out of metal, in most cases, not necessarily, but they're, ma- they're items that were used primarily for Jewish religious services. So the Jewish people would typically have, they have a lot of laws, and a number of the laws re- request that they have to have certain blessings on wine and other sort of things. A lot of the blessings are done over wine. So they have various cups, they have a service which is called Havdalah, which is done after the Sabbath, where they hold spices and candles and things of that sort on on Hanukkah, or some people call it Hanukkiah, that is the name of the menorah, the name of the candle holder, which typically holds uh, eight candles for the holiday. And uh, so any of these things that are used, and especially older pieces, we handled a a menorah from Germany. We handled one from Poland from the 1700s. And we paid over $50,000 each for these things. So if you have any Judaica around the house, old Jewish paintings, old religious artifacts, articles, things unfortunately from the Holocaust that Maybe they, they use to uh, observe a certain mitzvah or something like that, a certain commandment that they use in, to smuggle it in or something like that. We're happy to evaluate and appraise them at no charge. So please keep us in mind. Let us know. Send your pictures to us. Call or text us. We'll be happy to help you evaluate any of these items. And we are going to take another very, very short break, and we'll be right back.
2: Did you know gold and silver prices are at an all-time high? If you have any gold, silver or platinum coins, bullion, Franklin, mint items, diamonds, jewelry, art, antiques, paintings, French furniture, any Tiffany items, sterling flatware, Judaica, oriental rugs, older baseball cards, sports and entertainment memorabilia, watches, especially better watches such as Rolex, Patek Philippe, Vacheron, Tiffany, IWC, Cartier, Brigette, Omega, Breitling, Bulgari, just to name a few. APR 57 Gallery will buy them all at the highest cash prices, in any condition, even Broken APR 57 Gallery also needs any designer jewelry such as Cartier, Tiffany, Bucciolati, Van Cleef, Harry Winston, and Bulgari. Now is the time to cash out at the world famous APR 57 Gallery on 57th Street in New York City across from Carnegie Hall. They also come to your home and do certified insurance appraisals. So if you have anything of value, call them for a free appraisal and high cash offer at 212-246-2000. That's 212-246-2000 or toll free 1-800-772-00.
0: This is Lee the Appraiser back for another segment of Amazing Appraising here in our gallery APR 57 in New York City. Woo! Okay, so this show we're dedicating to our great friend and great comic and great person, Mr. Jackie Mason. May he rest in peace. Uh, We actually had the last Interview with him that aired on our show on July 4th this year, Independence Day, about f- almost four weeks, ago, less than four weeks ago. And my understanding is after July 4th, when our, our interview with him, he unfortunately felt ill, had trouble breathing, was admitted to the hospital about two days later, and unfortunately uh, did not come out of the hospital. So we actually uh, were very fortunate to have him agree to this last interview that he gave us. We never would have known, we never would have expected, and we never would have hoped that this would have been the last time we capture... The voice of this incredibly special unique amazing individual I just want to give a little background of myself my personal relationship with him so of course I I think I spoke earlier about this I loved comedy as a kid I wanted to be a comedian I never really performed except you know amongst friends and family uh, just a little telling jokes and love to tell jokes and listen jokes and make people laugh so I knew him as a stand-up comic uh, at that time when I was younger, although in reality, he really didn't become famous, really, until about 1986, when I was much, much older, and he was much, much older, and he got the recognition he deserved through his uh, Broadway appearances in his Broadway shows, The World According to Me, Politically Incorrect, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera so, although I knew of him and listened to him a little, I didn't uh, really uh, appreciate him that much. And uh, I had a gallery here on 57th Street, and lo and behold, uh, he, he moved here and he lived uh, directly across the street from us. And uh, one day he came in with a very prominent, distinguished, well-known attorney by the name of Raul Felder. Uh, They actually uh, bought a few watches from us, and we became good friends. Raul recommended a number of his clients to us to buy and appraise and sell uh, their watches. Uh, Jackie, of course, became a, uh, a standard here on 57th Street, and we would bump into him and see him, and walking by, I just remember uh, one day, you know, I say, Jackie, remember? Of course, Mr. Lee, how can I forget you? Of course, you own the jewelry store down the block. You do the appraising. Yes, Jackie, yes. He goes, how's business? I go, he would ask me, and I go, thank God, it's great. We're very busy. He goes, very busy? Look what you're wearing, that torn jacket, those torn pants. How could you be very busy? This is how a successful businessman looks and wears. I go, yeah, Jackie, what can I say? Anyhow, he was never, although he was short, he was never short on words, never short on wisdom, and just utterly, utterly brilliant. Again, I, I tell that story just, you know, when I was talking to him, we were having uh, lunch outside here in, uh, in front of our gallery a couple, uh, a month and a half ago, two months ago, and I asked him, so Jackie, you were from Shabogan, Wisconsin. He goes, yes, and where were you from? I go, Minneapolis. And I go, well, what brought you here, he asked me. I said, well, my father was uh, one of these genius math professors, and he was head of the University of Minnesota, and Columbia University offered him a position here, the head of the math department here in New York City. So we moved here, and he, was, uh, he actually was a student at Princeton when Einstein was there. And he goes, oh, your father knew Einstein. I go, yeah. And he goes, well, as far as he was concerned, he said Einstein was very overrated. He said, what was he known for? He said, the theory of relativity. He goes, first of all, it was only a theory. And second of all, it was only, it wasn't even relative. Anyhow, I thought that was one of the great lines. And he just off the cuff, that's how he thought, that's how he talked, that's how he thunk. So anyhow, so I knew him from then. And uh, we became good friends, especially over the last few months. I was interested in uh, possibly making a movie with him, getting his really inside feelings and stories and thoughts about the important things in life, which unfortunately we never had the opportunity to do. So, uh, I think about him constantly. Anyhow, he was a very special and unique person, really. He's one of the few people, I mean, they tell story, He He... Didn't care who you were. He would no problem making fun of you, what you did, your religion, everybody. But he never meant it in a bad way. He never meant any harm. It was always done in comedy. And he expected everyone to take it well. You know, I think he was the epitome of somebody who was really politically incorrect, but really a great person and a great soul. So we want to wish our public condolences to his wife, Jill, to his closest friend or one of his closest, Raoul Felder, to his, uh, I guess, surviving siblings, his daughter, and uh, anyone else that, you know, was mourning his uh, very, very recent loss. If there's any update about public tribute on him, or Memorial, which I'm sure or hope there will be, and I'll be happy to lend a hand in promoting it and doing what I can. We will keep our uh, many listeners and audiences up-to-dated with that, and uh, they can do that. So we're gonna take another break, and I guess from here we're gonna have a short message, and then we're gonna go on with Abe and a couple of stories and tributes. Uh, Mr. Abe, by the way, is somebody who knew Jackie when he moved to the Lower East Side when he was just a kid and they uh, work together and they know each other from the Catskills when Jackie just started his career and uh, a lot of interesting things to talk about. So we'll be right back after the short message.
3: Do you have a car that you may want to sell for the highest immediate cash price with the absolute best and most convenient service available? APR 57 is New York City's leading buyer of all collectibles of art, jewelry, watches, antiques, as well as used or vintage cars. If you have any used or pre-owned cars that you want to sell immediately for the highest cash prices and be treated like the valued client you are, call or text us at 212-246-2000. Be sure to bring your vehicle to our new 4,000 square foot gallery on the corner of Broadway and 57th Street for a final inspection and a verified high cash offer and payment. So call or text us today at 212-246-2000. That's 212-246-2000. Remember, APR 57 is the go-to place for getting the highest cash price for your valuables such as rare watches, diamonds, gold jewelry, gold and silver coins, sterling flatware, Tiffany items, stamp collections, sports cards, memorabilia, fine art, Judaica, as well as used cars in any condition. So drive in or stop by West 57th and Broadway to get the highest and fairest cash offer on the spot. Free snacks and drinks while you wait.
0: Hello everyone, it's Lee the Appraiser for another episode of Amazing Appraising, filmed directly in our brand new gallery here on 57th Street. How's everyone doing today? I hope they're doing well. So today is a little a downer, although we're always up, this is a little downer. We have our guest here, Mr. Abe, who's been on sort of regularly, and Abe, just say hello to everyone. Hi everybody, Abe Schoenberg here, thank you. So, unfortunately, we just heard the news that our good friend, longtime buddy, great comedian and And guest of your show and guest of my show in fact jackie mason unfortunately passed away you know he was no young man he was almost 94 however it's still a very very sad situation when a great talent icon icon great friend and really one of a kind we were in the process of not only probably having the last recorded interview of him in history we interviewed him and it aired about three weeks ago july 4th weekend labor day weekend he was on our show and we ran it at eight o'clock three weeks ago and my understanding is very shortly thereafter maybe one two three days later unbeknownst to us he was having trouble breathing was entered into the hospital mount sinai in mount sinai and unfortunately Never left, was stayed there. I read somewhere where all the nurses were crying, they got to know. No, him. They
4: loved him, they uh, crazy about it. He had his small coterie of friends like Roel Felder right. and Jill and his good friends right around him, so he went out beautiful.
0: So we want to dedicate at least part of this show to Jackie, to his talents, history. My good friend Mr. Abe here was a comedy writer when he first grew up, so he wrote material for Jackie and a number of the great comedians. So he's going to reminisce with us a little about his background. Abe, I'm I'm going to ask you a couple questions. I know some of the answers, but verify what I've heard and for our listeners to hear it as well. So... Tell me, first of all, when did you first originally meet Jackie, and what were the circumstances? Believe it or not,
4: in the early 60s, I was born in 53, there was a family called the Ehrenreich family who rented at hotels, like the Peckler Hotel, the Tree of Life. The
0: Peckler Hotel. You remember not, the Peckler Hotel? <laughs> no, but I would have remembered it if I heard that but name. But it wasn't the Pecklers, it was the
4: Ehrenreich. So and it actually
0: changed the name? Well, they would just rent that hotel. Only, Only a Jewish family <laughs> would change the name to Peckler
4: yeah well that was their name the original owners so i don't, I don't care what their I've original never, name <laughs> i've never met anybody named peckler huh? but pecker you remember pecker's fine bread You remember that so add an ale and you got I a peckler. peckler but uh maybe he made pickles i don't know I, Or or pickles is it is 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 like a thing you hold on to your sack <laughs> there's a lot of things with that name <laughs> we don't want, you want to hold say. on to yeah so we were there you know for years and years until i went to camp and even then for like six weeks i'd go to the erenreich hotel whatever it was called, the Tree of Life was at the beginning, and then there was the Peckler, there was another one that was very it was very this famous. This was in like, the Catskills? Catholic... In the
0: Catskills, all around. Well, you had the names, you had the Browns.
4: Well, this was a smaller hotel, okay. and people s- spent one month or two months there. So my parents would be there for two months, and like three or four weeks out of the summer, we'd go to camp, but the first part of the summer, we were always in this hotel, okay. where you had a room, I mean, we had my parents had two rooms. Right. Hopefully you had a room. Well, Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> We're in a hotel. My we parents can't had a, a room. room, and the three okay. boys in a room, and and the comedian that lived in the hotel basically was Jackie Mason. By the way, the singer that was the perennial singer was Shlomo Kaba. So I grew up with Shlomo Kaba, to me the greatest Jewish singer ever, and Jackie Mason certainly the greatest Jewish comedian ever, in my estimate. To me, I think I hold he's the number one comedian. Of all time, and I'll I'll tell you why if you ask me. Okay, why? Eh? Damn, I, I didn't think you'd ask me that quickly. <laughs> Go ahead. But I see. Take a look at my list. I of course love Jewish comedians, and most of the Catskill comedians were Jewish. Are, are there not comedians that,
0: by the way, are there comedians that are not Jewish? Amazingly enough,
4: really? like Robin Williams was phenomenal. Was. In, in black comedians, you have uh, Chris Rock and Richard Pryor. Now, I actually like Chris Rock better than Richard Pryor. Richard Pryor was a little too vulgar for me. You had. Yeah, he was, had he another brilliant. guy
0: who was great. Yeah, of course. Uh, I didn't think. Bill Cosby? Oh, well, you don't want to talk about him. Well, I mean, I he was, was
4: a fantastic, fantastic. He was, he, he was more of a storyteller, Mark Twain type of comedian. Right. And I, I don't consider Noah like. I mean, oh, he, he's story. great, but, but like Jerry Lewis was considered a comedian, but to me, he was a comic, like Red right. Skeleton. He wasn't a comedian. Right, I mean, you, you have stand a, up, right, right, you, right. you have Henny Youngman jokes, you have Jerry Seinfeld, you write out routines. Rodney, Rodney Jengerman yeah. was a comedian. I mean, par excellence. I wrote for him more than anybody else. I, I loved him. He was so generous. And Jackie was great. Jackie would take a couple of guys, the writers, and he, he picked a few that liked to hang around with him all the time. But I used to meet him in the Applejack Diner, mm-hmm. in the Greater New York uh, Health Bar over here. Before that, he was in the Plaza Deli, you know, and, uh, and, he, and he'd buy you food and buy you drinks and buy you more food, buy you more drinks. He was very nice like that. And he'd hang out with you. He was like a friend, and you'd give him material, and he'd take one joke and turn it into a whole routine. That's how sharp he was. And I saw his brain, unlike anybody else. Like Rodney would take ten jokes, he instead of buying three, he'd buy ten and move them around and turn it into a routine. Jackie created a routine on the spot in front of you. Boom, boom, boom. Said, Excuse me, you got a minute? You want to listen to me? Here, I have a whole thing for you. I said I just told you one joke. That's ten jokes already. You said in one minute. He said, it's not my fault I'm so fast. What can I do? Keep eating your egg salad sandwich. You sure you don't want any bacon bits? I go. They're not even bacon, Jackie. They're OU kosher. I, said, I don't know how to, why do they call them bacon bits. I said because you like that. But he was that quick. He was, I never saw anybody that sharp in my life. Now, why was he a great one? Like Chris Rock and like Robin Williams, and like who the, was who's the best, with George Carlin. These people skewered the human psyche. They understood every single stereotype. They understood people as they were. And they took you and put you back to, you, like a mirror image, right back to yourself, but with a fantastic timing and sense of humor. So in terms of Jewish community, nobody did that. You had Don Rickles, you had Shecky Green, you had Buddy Hackett, very funny guys. But they were just telling jokes. They were telling stories. They were like, donicos would insult you. But he saw a character trait. Jews are cheap. We're the least cheap people in the world. Nobody gives more charity than us. But he knew that when you walked into a restaurant, you it's like your restaurant. This is where you sit me. You know who I am? No, sir. I don't know where you are. You can't sit me near the kitchen. You can't sit me near the toilet. I'm here. It's air conditioning. My wife's going to kill me. Well, where do you want to sit? Where do you sit? I don't sit. I'm the owner. Put me there. Only the best place. Where do you... He, he figured out the differences between Jews and Gentiles. It is so funny because he gets Gentiles, he gets Jews, and he, and he makes them clash.
5: You know, in the United States, that's one of the big problems. A lot of Jews are not too proud to be Jewish in the United States. As a matter of fact, the only persecution I ever suffered from in my career was from Jews who are embarrassed that I'm so Jewish, that I sound so Jewish, or I look Jewish, or I talk Jewish. Jews get very embarrassed by it. Jews in the United States like to think they're Gentiles, they look like Gentiles, they, make to say, they, can't, they can't wait to marry a shiksa to, to at least be close to a Gentile. Something about a Gentile has to be involved. with They are ashamed of their names, they were ashamed of their noses. They tell you how proud they are to be Jewish, they all tell you how proud they are. There was not one Jew in the United States that wouldn't tell you how proud he is to be Jewish. As soon as he finishes telling you how proud he is, he cuts off his name, his nose, cuts off everything he's got. Noses in the United States are Jews are getting smaller and smaller. smaller. Pretty soon there'll be no nose at all, just a face without a nose. Because they're all embarrassed to be Jewish. They are. You tell a Jewish girl in the United States she looks Jewish. Tell her she looks Jewish, she'll stab you right in the heart. The greatest pride is to convince themselves they don't look Jewish. Don't people say I look Hawaiian? Don't I look a little Hawaiian? I think I look more French. Don't I look Dutch? People say I look Spanish. I think I look a combination, Peruvian and Brazilian. What do I do? Don't I look? You look Jewish, you <laughs> That's right. People are embarrassed about anything Jewish. Do you know that to this day to this day, Jews in the United States move into neighborhoods where there's no Jews allowed. You know that? They actually move into neighborhoods where there's no Jews allowed. There's nothing but Jews there. Each one thinks he's the only one. <laughs> and they'll do anything to look like a Gentile. They'll put on brown shoes, white socks, anything. <laughs> they try to talk English perfect. Hello, you have to go to the turtle. They'll do anything to convince themselves they don't sound, they don't look Jewish. They're even a fr- Do you know that they would never buy a dress made by a Jewish designer? Because it sounds Jewish, it's no designer. Tell them a designer is only a designer if he sounds French. Every Jewish yente in New York has to wear a dress made by a French designer, then they feel like a swinger. If it's French, oh, class. That's a French is class. That's to be a French designer. Every yente is wearing Yves Saint Laurent, Yves Saint Latouric, Yves Saint Rechon, Yves Saint, Lafong, Yves Saint, Lafong, Yves Saint
4: when you were in one of his shows, and it could be any show, it was not just Broadway, your ribs would hurt. You were laughing so hard. And I, you'd look around and you'd say, these are not Jews. These are people from Long Island, New Jersey, WASPY. I saw Catholic priests. I saw nuns there laughing their crucifixes off. I mean, it was so <laughs> funny. that he, he, he had that ability to make you laugh. And these shows did five, six weeks. That was it. And every show was a dynamite show. Very little staging. It was just him. Nobody rely on, just him. The world according to me, the ultimate Jew, whatever you want to call it. He, he was to me the number one comedian ever because he was the sharpest and the most incisive.
6: It is a great thrill and a pleasure for you to see me again. I hope you don't mind if I don't talk too long. I have very little time. I live in a luxury building now. I pay $300 a month rent since I became such a hit. And when I leave the house, I get sick. When I paid $40 a month, I walked around. It didn't bother me. But for this price... I can't stay out of the
0: house.
6: How do you think I feel being here when I'm paying a fortune to be there? Don't make no sense. <clears throat> now what I'm talking about? When I paid $40 a month, I had seven rooms. Now I paid $300 a month for a room and a half. But you know what I got? I got music in the elevator. I told the guy, I need music in the elevator. I'll make a deal with you. I won't listen. How much do you want? Besides, I live on the first floor. How much music can I hear by the time I get there? <laughs> the guy on the top floor let him pay for it I have to run a concert for a guy I don't even (laughs) know. I want to get my money's worth so you know what I do every night I come home two hours early I go up and down and I listen I used to take a girl to a nightclub cost me a fortune no more I take her to the elevator another thing I got I never knew I needed is a 24 hour doorman you need a doorman for 24 hours makes sense to you I open the door tops twice a day takes a minute and a half the rest of the day I can't use it besides I have a doorman he's 80 years old he opens the door for me, I'm embarrassed. So I open the door for him. you know that every Christmas he sends me a present? I got a lobby too that I don't need. Today everybody, they move into an apartment that has a fantastic lobby. My lobby, a half a million dollars, that's how much it costs just to build that lobby. The apartment is the same, the lobby is fantastic. Water from the ceiling. When I paid $40 a month, there was also water from the ceiling. As a matter of fact, the water came, I paid tidy. The price went down, now it goes up. <laughs> and the location this is important they always advertise fancy locations a block and a half from a public school I graduated 15 years ago <laughs> i not start school because he got an apartment and then he said it's only two blocks from a church this is my business <laughs> am I going to convert for a room and a half I told him you got three rooms we'll talk business <laughs> you know what I'm talking about They're very careful. I don't know if you heard about it. Who they give these apartments to, they have to like you first. Like the first thing he said to me is, uh, what do you do for a living? I said, I'm an entertainer. He said, I don't like loud parties. I said, I didn't intend to invite you in the first place.
0: We're going to take a short break and we're going to be right back talking more about our good friend, Jackie Mason. May he rest in peace. And with our guest, Abe, we'll be right back.
1: Did you know gold and silver prices are at an all-time high? If you have any gold, silver, or platinum coins, bullion, Franklin mint items, diamonds, jewelry, art, antiques, paintings, French furniture, any Tiffany items, sterling flatware, judaica, oriental rugs, older baseball cards, sport and entertainment memorabilia, watches, especially better watches such as Rolex, Patek, Philippe, Vacheron, Tiffany, IWC, Cartier, Breguet, Omega, Breitling, Bulgari, just to name a few. APR 57 Gallery will buy them all at the highest cash prices in any condition even broken. APR 57 Gallery also needs any designer jewelry such as Cartier, Tiffany, Buccellati, Von Cleef, Harry Winston, and Bulgari. Now is the time to cash out at the world-famous APR 57 Gallery on 57th Street in New York City across from Carnegie Hall. They'll also come to your home and do certified insurance appraisals. So if you have anything of value, call them for a free appraisal and high cash offer at 212-246-2000, 212-246-2000, or toll-free 1-800-772-0054.
0: This is Lee again, the appraiser from APR 57, Amazing Appraising. We're continuing our episode in memory of the great Jackie Mason, who just recently passed. We're here with Mr. Abe, who's going to be reminiscing, who actually somewhat grew up with Jackie on a professional level. He's telling us about some of the stories he had. And so you met him in the hotel? Or... So I remember him
4: from the hotel. Jackie was one of those celebrities, and he was a celebrity, that you could just sit down. You were 14, you were 22, you were 90. He didn't care. You'd meet meet you in the street, you went up to him at a, at a restaurant, he'd just start talking to you, you know, and 90% of the time he was in a good mood and he would talk to you. You know, if you picked up his bill, he would talk to you for as long as you want. The average person does not like, you know, mm-hmm. they don't want to talk to you or they're embarrassed or they don't know how you think of them. And I just always tell them, to me, you're the number one chameleon ever and I and he knew I wrote for a lot of comedians so he took, and in fact I, I yeah. made a painting of him which you can see on Belmont galleries but you can't buy because I gave it to him Jill Jill Rosenfeld has probably in the house where I made a a, a portrait of him mm-hmm. and I wrote number one comedian that's my that's the title of the painting
0: well certainly in my opinion he certainly was right up there yeah. very clever very quick really up until the last few years he was sure still he a sharp a as a needle. yeah
6: I'll tell you the truth. You can make fun out of these luxury buildings all you want, but there are certain advantages that they do give you. Although in some ways, it's even worse. Like if you want to throw out the garbage. When I lived in a poverty-stricken building, I opened the window and threw
0: out the garbage.
6: (laughs) But in a fancy building, you can't do this. There's an incinerator. And you only go to the incinerator. And the incinerator doesn't take just any garbage. There's instructions. It takes only a certain class of garbage that you can throw into that incinerator. You ever see these incinerators? No oily dirt. No plain dirt. No bottles, cracked, no cracked bottles. By the time I got through reading it, I found out I can throw out anything except the garbage. The garbage I have to keep in my house. My building, the apartments are filthy, the incinerator is clean. Nobody throws anything in it, there's a guy downstairs that judges the garbage. If He don't like it, he sends it back up. That's the truth, you ever see the size of the incinerator, it's this big. God forbid, big, you got big garbage, you can't throw it out at all because it don't fit the incinerator. When I want to buy something, I don't care if it fits me, I make sure it fits the incinerator. I go shopping with a roll. I measure it against the incinerator, don't fit, I don't mind. <laughs> I just told myself a better joke than I told you. <laughs> well, the amazing thing is that I'm enjoying the show, I'll tell you the truth, I make it fun out of this whole thing. Because of the very good reason, I don't need it. You don't need all these luxuries. People spend fortunes to live in luxury. It really means nothing. Happiness doesn't come from luxury. I know a guy that lives in a house without a ceiling, without hot water. He's got nothing, but he's happy. You know why? Stupid. (laughs)
0: We're going to take another short break. We'll be right back with our guest Abe and with more of Amazing Appraising and more of the history and life of Mr. Jackie Mason. We'll be right back.
3: Do you have a car that you may want to sell for the highest immediate cash price with the absolute best and most convenient service available? APR 57 is New York City's leading buyer of all collectibles of art, jewelry, watches, antiques, as well as used or vintage cars. If you have any used or pre-owned cars that you want to sell immediately for the highest cash prices and be treated like the valued client you are. Call or text us at 212-246-2000. Be sure to bring your vehicle to our new 4000 square foot gallery on the corner of Broadway and 57th Street for a final inspection and a verified high cash offer and payment. So call or text us today at 212-246-2000. That's 212-246-2000. Remember, APR 57 is the go-to place for getting the highest cash price for your valuables such as rare watches, diamonds, gold jewelry, gold and silver coins, sterling flatware, Tiffany items stamp collections sports cards memorabilia fine art judaica as well as used cars in any condition so drive in or stop by west 57th and broadway to get the highest and fairest cash offer on the spot free snacks and drinks while you wait
0: okay everybody we're back this is lee the appraiser here from apr 57's amazing appraising i am joined by comedy writer attorney businessman abe Shamberg. we are going to just refer to him as mr abe We are here discussing Jackie Mason's life, his comedy, his genius, and we are also going to be including several segments of Jackie's act throughout the episode. here is showing us two photographs. You can, by this the way, if you can't here. see it on our radio show, you can go to our YouTube channel, Amazing Appraising, uh, APR 57. Here we have a. The That's first in one. his
4: lobby in the Metropolitan Tower. Right.
0: So Jackie lived right across the street from us on 57th Street. This is a beautiful shot of Mr. Abe and Mr. Jackie. The lobby of uh, his beautiful hotel. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, condo. Lived, yeah. Condo, right over here. Gorgeous here we have it, Another away. one here with another. That was later. Yeah. Of Mr. Abe on the right jackie on the left that's how most people remember him Yep, how he looked and this was taken where? I, I don't know. Uh, okay. Probably hotel? He has remember. no idea where it was
4: taken. I, I have pictures of him sitting in many places. Mostly delis. He liked delis a he lot. He loved delis. Loved the Applejack Diner which is right here in 7th Avenue. You know, wasn't too fussy about his food. What's, the,
0: what's the famous deli where uh, they draw the, the characters? Is it the stage deli? The well, he, he used to hang out in the
4: stage deli. The, the one Carnegie one deli. The, the car, the, no, he, the stage oh, that, that one, the one with all the pictures. Yeah, the yeah. yeah, yeah. Where is that? I, it's on like 36th Street. Yeah, there's one in the theater district right. so he's up on the wall very he famous. had his own
0: sandwich right didn't they make the sure sandwich? sure i don't Full know don't, bologna don't, don't,
4: <laughs> <laughs> don't ask me what was in it because i didn't eat a, i didn't eat meat in those places if i ate i had the tuna salad or egg salad uh-huh. but it was great anyway and they had sandwich like this thick you know it was none of this uh two right, pieces. Well,
0: of that meat. was that was the carnegie day. wasn't it well, yeah that both at carnegie, carnegie stage was like two, but i had three inches there
5: foods so important to import jews well, they must be important to Jews because Jews are all four foot nine and built like this. I say you can always tell a Jew from a Gentile because Gentiles are always drinking and Jews are always looking for rolls and butter. Every time you say hello to a Jew, did you eat yet? And every time you see a Gentile, have a drink. Have a drink? Did you? How <laughs> like you. Have a drink? No, I just drank. Drink. Who's <laughs> on the floor? Give him a drink. Give him a drink. The whole idea among Gentiles, you never see a Jew at a bar. Gentiles are never particularly aware of it. But you almost never see a Jew at a bar unless he got lost looking for a piece of cake and a cup of coffee. <laughs> They're always involved of food, and they're always desperate to keep eating. That's why you're, if you see a Jew in a restaurant, you can always tell he's Jewish just by how he orders, because his whole life is a ritual about eating as much as possible in whatever, and they're very particular about how it comes out. A Jew at a breakfast is ordering it till lunch. <laughs> It takes him an hour and a half just to order it. I like the toast lightly toasted, not very toasted. I like it a little on the left side, not too much on the right side. Then I want the bacon, the little done, not too well done, slightly done. And I don't want the butter. I want it on this side. I don't want it. And then please, you don't have hard butter. You have soft butter and put it on this side. And I wouldn't like this on that side. They arrange a breakfast and they have 50 million ways of ordering it because food is a very important ritual to them.
0: So tell me some more interesting stories. So basically, he,
4: he, he grew up on the Lower East Side. He, he, was he, ne- he never
0: got married, right? Oh, he got, yeah, married, he got recently, married yeah. yeah I mean, I mean, 30, I mean, 30 years, I mean, years ago 30 to Jill. Years. I mean, they're married right, for a long prior time. Prior to that, they never... But prior
4: to that, I've always saw him with blondes. I think I told you this story once. Blonde women, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't mean <laughs> blonde men. But like I see people like totally covered head to toe in tattoos, and they're taking a suntan. What's tanning? You're all green and black and red already. What's tanning? I don't get your teeth. I like, I like a bronze background A maybe. bronze background <laughs> I just don't get it
0: You know I'm, For this you're going to have A sunburn with all the tattoos I don't know By the way If your sun peels yes. if your skin peels Do you lose your, sun, your tattoo I or don't no? think
4: so do I look like a guy that hangs
0: out in tattoo polish? I have no idea. I'm an no, no, no. artist, but not that kind of a You know
4: the biggest business today is, seriously? Tattoo That's removal. My, tattoo removal. All of it, the, they open up everywhere. Because people are waking up, my God, you're going to turn 40, then 50 or 60, you're going to be full of tattoos. I mean, unless you want to hang out in, you know, Gold's Gym, it's not a very attractive thing, but do whatever you want to do. It's a free, it's a free it's world. A free world right? It's a free
0: world, It's a free world. Okay, so yeah. well, let's talk about Jackie again. Go on. Sure,
4: Jackie had no tattoos. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay, well, <laughs> not, that, you know? not that I've seen him in the baby right, you
4: know, right? But let me tell you something. When Jackie Mason was young, you take a look at the pictures of him in the 50s and 60s. He was a good-looking guy. A great-looking guy. He was a movie star, handsome Seriously. guy. Gorgeous guy. Come on, those movie,
0: old clips of Ed Sullivan. Yeah, yeah, right? I mean, like, yeah he was gorgeous. He, he was, was a really, handsome uh, guy. Always
4: dressed well. A blazer with slacks, with a nice white shirt and tie. He was real cool, and, uh, and he looked, kind of looked like the Rat Pack a little bit.
0: Mm-hmm. Right, right, he did, actually,
4: right? Yeah, yeah. He was right up there, but, you know, Rickles was their guy, and uh, they were not too happy with, uh, with Jackie because he was very, very Jewish. You know, and he didn't like give in to them. You know, he was his and own he would man.
0: Probably also yeah. criticize. You know, I mean, part of yeah, the and he'd make fun of them, and make uh, fun of the jokes. You know, like, Sinatra, like, like
4: Rickles or... would make fun of uh, of, of Sinatra, Sinatra, and then right away, oh please, Frank, don't kill me, don't <laughs> exactly. kill me. You know, he'd do that. But Jackie didn't have that in him. But he didn't need to. He didn't need them. You know, to to be successful, as just uh, you know, when the Cascals were big, he was big. Then Vegas became the big thing, and Jackie Mason was never really a Vegas performer. The mm-hmm. rest of these guys, I mean, you take a look at him: Don Rickles, George Collin. Uh, you know, Buddy Hackett, Rodney Dangerfield, Joan Rivers is fantastic, Jerry Seinfeld. Where would they be without without some part of Atlantic City and then Las Vegas? Those right. were the biggest, you know, you got 250 grand a week to, to perform in, in Las Vegas, in a big hotel like Caesars Palace. Crazy, right? Uh, and then you could do, you know, uh, the Catskills and make 10,000 a week or 20,000. That's 10%. I, re-
0: I remember Rodney yeah. Dangerfield, he was on Carson. Yeah, and they asked him Carson how was doing, and he said, "He's great. I just signed a uh, right a long term deal, a, a ten year deal with General Motors. You know, I bought a car." <laughs> <laughs> That's, I don't
4: even know if Rodney ever drove anywhere himself. He had people do it for him, but uh-huh. uh, he was uh, up there. You know, he really was up there. He's also Jewish. You know, his name was Jacob Cohen. But I uh, I forgot to, to say Joan Rivers. She's one of my top six. One of the Gentiles that I love uh, was uh, Stephen Wright. He is so deadpan, so funny. He bores into, you know, what what makes a human being a human being, oh, I love him. and then just twists it around in a crazy but he, he, way. But he was only around for a couple of years. He's and still around. He's, still he's a around? Boston. He's he's a Boston native, and people I know love that, him. But I don't. I, don't hear, know, I haven't. Heard you don't any. hear of him a lot because he did because a couple of movies, a couple of TV shows, but he doesn't have that. You know, very aggressive personality course, that the, that the <laughs> Jewish comedians had, and the, I mean George Carlin had it. You know, and right, uh, right, right. You know, Robert Williams was the greatest. The comedian, I mean, to me, Oscar winner, everything winner. I mean, name it. He was Movies, great uh, uh, when he ran the Oscars with with. Whoopi Goldberg and right. Billy Crystal. He, had, he one of the fastest minds ever. He right? was so fast. Right up there to me with Jackie Mason. Right. I mean, who was like clicking like that so quickly. Richard Pryor was like that. But I mean, I don't like vulgarity a lot. So right, I, uh, so part of it was when turned me off with Richard Pryor. But he was very funny. Mm-hmm. You know, like I had this argument with somebody last week, a black person who's, who's also a writer. I mean, Dave Chappelle is the funniest black in the I know he has a sense of humor. He was very funny in the beginning. But I I think there's something wrong with him. He doesn't make me laugh. Mm -hmm. I want you to make me laugh. I don't care what color you are. I don't care what gender you are. You know, there's 57 genders. It's like Heinz variety now. Over the years, he just got so tired of what was going on in society. He was the ultimate liberal. He marched with every single Martin Luther King. He was standing there in Alabama, in Selma, everywhere. He rode the buses with them. He was such a liberal. And now he became such a conservative. Like me. When did I become a conservative? Because the left became so far left. They kind of left America. So they now classify guys like us as the biggest conservative guys. We're very modern. We're very liberal. It's just it's hard to vote Democratic anymore. Right. If you're going to be against everything we believe in, if you're an Orthodox Jew, mm-hmm. forget about it. They're against everything we believe. So so
0: that, that you have a and right. Who is the big, biggest advocate yeah. for the blacks? Well, Jackie yeah. Mason. No, I mean, which religion? Help them, freed them, only Jews. Them.
4: Only Jews. We would with, crazy, th- with right? them the whole time and unfortunately a lot of the black groups, not blacks, just these black groups like Black Lives Matter, they're 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 not exactly pro Israel, and not exactly pro Jewish. They're Marxist groups and they and they hate us. So it's a shame.
5: Not that I want to talk about these things, I don't like to talk about these things. And I guarantee I won't talk any more politics. No more politics, let's not pick on them. Because every time you pick on Barack Obama everybody says you're picking on black people. Black people still tell you that they're the ones being persecuted in this country. Who's persecuting black people? The white people are the only ones being persecuted now. Years ago, this country persecuted black people. It was never a real, honest, legitimate democracy. A black person or a white person, or I mean, or a Jew, never had any real chance to be president in the United States. Now, Lieberman was a vice president on the Al Gore ticket, and all the Jews got nervous. The Gentiles didn't even think of it. They couldn't even care less. He was a religious Jew. Good luck to him. And the Jews would say, Ooh, I hope they don't find out that he's Jewish. Thank God he's got blonde hair. Maybe they won't notice it and every time he talked, the Jews went into a panic. I hope he doesn't say something wrong. The Jews were locking themselves into the houses in case he makes a mistake. We'll all be in trouble here. You could be Jewish now. You could be black now. Years ago, years ago, let's be honest about it. This was not a real democracy. A Jew or a black didn't stand a chance. Blacks were always persecuted at that time, but so were the Jews. Jews were persecuted too. Do you know it Till the 60s or 70s, the major corporations of this country never hired Jews? Never. Not that we cared. We owned the company. Why why do you think Jews became doctors? Look who I picked out to ask. Why do you think Jews became doctors? Why? Do you know why? Because Jews didn't feel safe in those days. Jews were persecuted in the streets. And the only way they felt safe is if they became a doctor. Because they knew the worst bigot. Anybody wants to attack a Jew will never attack him. Once they find out he's a doctor, who's going to attack a doctor? When you walk into a doctor's office and say, My foot hurts, you Jew bastard"? (laughs) But even though Jews were, Jews were discriminated against in this country almost as much as the blacks in those days, Jews were afraid to walk in the streets. I remember, I'm an old Jew, I remember when I was a kid, I saw Gentiles, I used to go into panic, they just wanted to bust you in the mouth just because you were Jewish. That's right, Jews were afraid to walk in the streets. Today, 50, 60, 70 years later, white people are, white people are afraid to walk in the streets and the blacks are the heroes. Blacks used to be afraid to walk in the streets in the south. Are the, are the blacks afraid of the whites now? If you bumped into a black person in the street, who would get more nervous, you or the black person? As a man who's not too intelligent, what would you say? <laughs> you think blacks are worried about whites? They come over, hey, honky, monkey, junky bonky. <laughs> and if a white guy bumps into his father at four o'clock in the morning, <laughs> he goes into a panic. <laughs> I I, I didn't even know I was in the street. I I thought I was still sitting in my house. I I didn't even know I was walking. I'm blind on this side. I don't know. Uh, I thought I passed away a week ago. I had no idea. You thought I was white? I happen to be a light brown. I'm not light.
0: All right, everybody. We're going to be wrapping up this week's segment with Mr. Abe in memory of the great comedian, Jackie Mason. May he rest in peace. We are going to be airing Part 2 of this episode next week on August 8th, I guess that's Sunday at 8pm, so please be sure to tune back in and hear more from Abe, myself, as well as another several hysterical tapings of Vintage Routines of Jackie Mason. If you haven't already, please be sure to follow us on all our social media platforms, apr 57 nyc as well as our youtube channel under amazing appraising the title of this show if you guys have any questions or comments you would like to share about uh, uh, appraisals valuations comments about our our guests suggestions please give us a call or text us at 212-246-2000 or email us at lee at apr57.com we hope you all had a good laugh we look forward to hearing from you very soon and continually listening next week and Jackie from us here below please may you enjoy and rest in peace and get a lot of nachos from all the joy and laughter that you have given every one of us throughout the years okay take care everyone